Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It's your Cape Crusader Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with one of our fellow Yeti brethren, Alex Breen. Welcome to the stream. Thank you for stepping out the cave and uh, keeping it geekly with us, man. Thank you so much, Cody, for having me. <laughs> you know, I love that segue, too. I kind of just like built it up on, on the fly, and I'm like, dude, that just fits so perfectly. We're here to break yeah. down a martial arts <laughs> revenge story from within. Uh, but before we get to the high kicks and karate chops, let's uh, start out with uh, who you are and how you got into creating comics. Sure thing. So, like, comics wasn't, like, my first, first love. I was, like, I grew up as, like, a film geek. Like, my first job mm -hmm. was at Blockbuster. So, like, that instantly <laughs> dates me. Uh, but, like, when I, my freshman year in college, I just fell head over heels in love with comics. And, like, I remember, like, I just digested like an iron fist omnibus in like one setting the brubaker fraction stuff and like it just dawned on me it was like man i want to make comics so like i think it i spent about like five or six years of basically my entire college time just like experimenting reading everything i get my hands on and mm -hmm. uh, i made some like garage type of comics that i probably wouldn't show anyone ever again but i made them and you know <laughs> we all have to start somewhere um but you know from there i you know for about a few years started chipping away at from within and I've also made a few uh, short stories in between like the pandemic, one of which got picked up by Nightmare Theater, if you're familiar with that anthology. Was that uh, Kill Your Dar Darlings? Yep, that's the one. So, uh, and, uh, I, man, I, I just love how Iron Fist was your break into it. And uh, from within, man, it almost seems like uh, it's kind of like uh, your, your little nod to uh, falling in love with comics. In a way, yeah. You know, I think probably my first inspiration of it was oddly mortal Kombat. um like i was i think i loved the lore of mortal Kombat so much mm -hmm. from those early games and i think that was a basis point and then i i definitely had a bruce lee kick like i'm sure most people did um <laughs> not just out of the dragon but like just some of his other flicks it's just kind of cool like those scenes where he just goes into a room and just wrecks everybody but um, oh man those movies are so awesome like uh yeah. which one i love uh fearless have you seen fearless where uh uh, the the main protagonist he gets like poisoned. It's it's like a tournament. Um, it's it's awesome. Uh, he gets poisoned, so he's like fighting at the end. He's like trying not to die, dude. I love it. I th I think that one's Jetly, but I've I've heard of Jet that Lee. one. I haven't yes, seen yes. that one. But um, I think it was uh, Fists of Fury was the one I'm thinking of. Is like he goes into this room and it's like it's just the coolest thing in the world. Like there's mm -hmm. no way one dude can take out like 30 people, but Bruce Lee for some reason just makes it feel <laughs> believable. Like that that dude was just like mythic. So with uh, some of those short stories, before we get into From Within, let's break down some of, some of those other stories too, like Kill Your, Kill Your Darling. So what is that story about? So it is, it's like a really personal story. Like it's, it's about writing, but not in a way that, like I, I usually hate stories that are about writing, mm -hmm. but I, I had this thought one day where and I'm not sure if you've had this feeling, Cody, or maybe other artistic people have had this feeling, but sometimes the pursuit of a creative passion comes with a lot of consequences, not in ways you yeah. could have predicted at the beginning. So like, I know for a fact that some of my pursuit of writing and other things led to some of my relationships getting altered, not in ways I could have predicted. Uh, not to be like super dramatic, but like, you know, I could just see that that decision led to some consequences. And that thought is what birthed um, Kill Your Darlings. And I just so happened to get uh, an incredible creative team on that book. It was just this like 
quick eight-page horror uh, comic in and out. Um, had Anna Weischick. Um, I, I think I'm saying the name right. I'm always apologizing to Anna, but like her work <laughs> is incredible. If you've uh, read the Image series Home, uh, she did the artwork for that uh, last year. No, oh, that is awesome. And I, you know, I was just talking about this earlier. I had someone uh, hit me up and um, they they wanted to know if like uh, they offended me in any way or anything. And I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, um, I kind of just got into doing interviews and, and like I didn't realize like, you know, once you get like stuck in that hyper focus, like it's hard to see how the ripple effect, like how it affects everyone else in your circle. Yeah, it's especially for, you know, I'm sure it's this way with like art, but especially with writing, you have to spend a lot of time alone to really get your thoughts together for a story. I'm sure there's some people, like I think the most I can do is I can be that Starbucks writer. I hate Starbucks, <laughs> but like I can go to a coffee shop very easily and write mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and I know that's a cliche, but like I actually can do it. Um, so I can be around people to a degree, but like if someone's like trying to text me or something when I'm in that mood, it's like, I've got to leave it on red. It's like, I'm sorry, nothing personal. It's just, I've got to do this thing. But you know, it's like, that is, you know, whether it's intentional or not, you know, that does change some of your relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't necessarily have to be super self-destructive. I kind of <laughs> took that fe feeling and went to the nth degree of it. Like what was the worst version of this of me and put that onto the page. Um, but you know, that's, that felt very cathartic seeing that story play out the way it did. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, how how were you able to take that feeling and, and turn it into a horror story? Um, just imagining the worst version of myself and ramping it up helps a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, it's I think there, there are a lot of writers who inherently just hate everything they do. And I'm not that like everything. It's a struggle sometimes. Like, I'm not saying everything requires work to you know, get things just right. But I'm a lot more comfortable with this is my first draft. I know it's not going to be everything that I want it to be out as a first draft because it's the first draft. Mm -hmm. So I'm permitting myself to just be the bluntest version of what I want to get across on a page. And then I just know, OK, in other drafts, I will refine it. But, you know, <laughs> it's like I've, I've grown accustomed to that practice and then literally just seeing like artwork come to life is like the greatest feeling in the world. Like when you get that script and you're just like, mm -hmm. it feels like a kid at Christmas opening <laughs> up a gift and seeing what that artwork looks like. It's nothing beats that feeling, honestly. Man, I gotta say it's impressive because uh, your mentality, like a lot of people have trouble like getting into that mindset. Like, hey, this is my first draft. It's not gonna be perfect. You know, uh, what kind of led to you breaking that mold and like getting into this mindset? Um, a lot of me trying and failing like yeah, at a certain <laughs> point you have to just permit yourself to fuck up mm -hmm. just to be the bluntest version of that like I think one of the first times I really heard it described was by Matt Fraction and it eventually clicked with me but have you ever listened to some Matt Fraction interviews Cody? Uh, maybe um, I listen to a lot of stuff as background noise with and, and you know I never kind of like get the names but uh, um, give us a little bit about it so this is like an older interview from word balloon he's probably said it in other places too um but he was watching ed wood which was a tim burton movie with johnny depp mm -hmm. and it's famously about this 
and I'm sure this is just great material regurgitating a better interview, but you, you should definitely <laughs> track it down. So, um, you know, Ed Wood is this like famously awful filmmaker. Like he made Play a Nine from Outer Space, which is like one of the worst like bad movies of all time that people love watching for that reason. And, you know, there's a scene where he's trying to talk to like a studio head or a financier or something like that. And, you know, he is like putting on this whole pitch and he's like, I'm the director of Glenda Glenda. And the uh, studio head just like looks at him as like, that's like the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. And then without <laughs> missing a beat, like uh, Ed Wood just like turns around and goes, well, my next one will be better. And then he goes straight into pitching uh, the next movie. And, you know, Fraction's insight on that scene is like, oh, it's okay to fuck up. The next one will be better. And, you know, over time, like that helped. And then, I don't know, dude, like for for writing um, or anything creative, I think it's okay to just allow yourself to have some fun, except that you will always be improving. You're never mm -hmm. going to have that masterwork inherently, even um, I'm just going to use Alan more. I know there's a lot of conversation around him recently, but like I'm sure if, you know, you asked Alan Moore what his best work is. It's probably not even the thing that everyone thinks is his best work. He probably hates the thing that everyone, yeah, well, I yeah. know in some cases he definitely does, but like just for example purposes, <laughs> like, you know, he might think that Watchmen is a failure on a technical level rather than like what it led to, so to speak. And speaking of uh, doing better the next time and fuck it up, I cannot tell you how many times I've butchered someone's last name in these interviews. Uh, Matt uh, Lesniewski, um, I, I, I spent 15 minutes before our interview on Google pronunciation, just listening to it, talking it over, practicing it, talk to him. I'm like, hey, dude, uh, how do you pronounce your last name? And he said it. I was like, perfect, I can do that. And then we went live and I froze. I was like, oh my God. And that was interview like 205. So, I mean, doing better and better is like, that's all you can do. But speaking of interviews, you yourself, you're, you're a pretty big interviewer, uh, in my opinion, at least. We were talking earlier backstage. I said, uh, I consider you pretty pro prolific. Um, man, you're knocking them out left and right, and you're doing them in person. Like, that is, whew, I, dude, I give you kudos. Well, thank you so much. I, I did not think I was prolific in any way, but I will take the compliment. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, you know, it, it fell into... I think I've told people this on the side before, but like, to be completely honest, I just fell into this as a complete accident. That was mm -hmm. not at all like the plan for Heroes Con. But what ended up happening was I go every year anyway. It's usually something I go to with a couple of friends. Um, and like I go on a road trip with them because I usually stop in like Ohio because I'm from Ohio originally. Hey, Ohio love, baby. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so for that trip, I was going to go with a... A specific friend they were having a kind of a rough year i won't go into too many details but long story short very last minute has a health issue wasn't going to be able to make it i already had the hotel kind of booked and it was at the time i had some rough transportation issues at the time so i mm -hmm. i had to kind of it wasn't meant to be um like here's wasn't meant to be me being there all weekend like i was just going to be there friday and then have a vacation actually um, but then if I was going to be there for the full weekend, I'm like, I don't want to be spending a metric ton of money, um, which I could easily do. So I yeah. decided, okay, <laughs> I'm going to try. And this is like maybe seven, eight days before the show. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and do some interviews at this show. So I open it up. Yeti, you know, signal boosts me. 
and I get just blitzed with all these people who want to do interviews, most of which I have no reference point for. Like 90% of the interviews that I've done uh, at Heroes, I really did not know much of people's work on the fly. So almost all those interviews, like I got a couple PDFs and this is like on Monday or Tuesday. No, and I'm man. leaving on like Wednesday <laughs> and I'm reading these things like mad. I'm jotting down questions like crazy. And then even on Thursday, when I'm like going to um, going to the show, I, I had I realized there was a chance for me to take a really big swing for like the one person I did know, and they agreed to it. So I was like, "Oh shit, what? A, okay." And I ended up um, like late at night on Thursday, just jotting down questions like crazy to prep for that one too that I had no uh prior plans to so you're, you're a lot like, of that was me figuring out on the fly <laughs> you're, you're like i'm swinging for this oh crap they actually took it <laughs> yeah that, that was definitely my reaction as i'm like driving to the hotel like very close I'm like okay mm -hmm. i guess i gotta figure out what i want to say now <laughs> so is that in ohio uh heroes no that one's in charlotte so okay i was gonna say uh, north I've been... carolina I've been trying to figure out cons and I'm, I'm from Ohio. So that's, you know, when, when you said Ohio, I was like, Hey dude, like, um, and that's my biggest thing is like finding out, uh, where, where like a list of cons are. You can't like, I get like, I've been like mm -hmm. trying to look left and right for them. I think there's probably ones for like anime con sites, but yeah, not like American cons. It's weird. So what, man, like, like we were talking backstage, like that's a whole different beast. Like going up, going to people live, uh, prepping questions on the fly like that, man. So, uh, where, was that like kind of your first time doing it or was, uh, have you done it before? You know, I guess you could say that I'd been doing it for years in the sense of I, I had a couple of years of going up to creators I respected when I was like, in college and doing the Doctor Strange teach me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely went up to a couple of creators and picked their brains for like 15 minutes here and there. Um, I I think the biggest version of that was like a couple of years ago, uh, I was able to pick Azarella's brain for like 40 minutes, <laughs> Ooh. Uh, which That's was pretty awesome. cool. Like, yeah, so. Is it hard oh, not I, to like geek out and fanboy with them? Um, you know, progressively I've gotten better about it. Um, it's definitely easier, like, the the heroes interviews and every interview when I don't exactly know what someone's work is. Like, I want to make sure that I, I give them good questions regardless of if I know their work or not. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely a lot easier for me to go in and have a conversation. Um, well, like, for the Sebastian Gerner interview, which that was my big swing one uh, that, you know, showed up on the site. And I'll plug that one gladly because I'm, I'm still so proud of how that interview went. <laughs> um, but that was definitely one where it's like, okay, I love the hell out of Devil's Red Bride. Unapologetically love that book. And, you know, I wanted to, since I did give a shit in that way, in the positive way, I'm like, I just, I want to come up with a really cool interview for that. So I, I felt the pressure in that sense that I mm -hmm. really didn't for just about anyone else. Wes Craig was kind of a similar one. I'm, I'm working on a uh, transcribed interview for him from uh, C2E2 that should hopefully be coming out soonish my my schedule kind of blew up otherwise it had been out um <laughs> so apologies in advance um to you know yeti about that i wanted to get that one out sooner well, that, i mean that's another thing though too i mean i i do live shows and stuff but you like transcribe these as well which is a whole another layer like i do i i give so much respect and kudos to that because like um just the fact that you're bridging that gap for you know the accessibility factor is awesome man yeah i mean 
I definitely uh, don't like making things easy for myself, and I think that's probably <laughs> a pattern. Uh, I, I joke, but like sometimes I really do things a little more extra than I probably should. Like the first mm -hmm. couple, I did through an AI learning transcriber, and then I like tweaked it as I went. Um, and that was fine for the first couple because they were relatively short. By the time I got to the Gurner one, I'm like, I'm going to, uh, metaphorically speaking, I'm not being literal, but it's like, I will die if I try doing that for that one. So I then switched to a uh, a paid transcriber for that one. Then I was like, okay, I can tweak it from here and it'll look better that way. And it's just, that's what I'm doing going forward. Uh, so I just got to, I got to remember when I have long interviews because I like being conversational and I like... I like even in written interviews for to have a flow. I don't want to feel robotic of like, here's your 10 questions. Like I, yeah. I do that too. Yeah. Like I've done that like for when it's just emails. I'm like, here's my 10. I might have a follow up here, but that's that. And it's like nice, quick to the point. When I'm at the cons, I want to be more conversational, have it flow and feel like it mm -hmm. has a rhythm to it, even if it's not spoken. The cadence is like so important and in, in like having that be read in like text form is, is hard. I, I know doing written interviews, I started kind of getting into that with Comic Book Yeti and I really like, it's kind of reversed for me. Like I try to have like the, the cadence like as good as possible with my written stuff um, because I do live so much. I really want my text ones to kind of like just be like my 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 swing all you know like give my 110 percent uh so yeah no I, I love that dude i think that's really awesome so um which is your favorite interview you've done on yeti i'm curious oh man oh i'm not trying to put you too much on the spot but i'm just kind of curious uh so let me see um i gotta think of all the ones i've done so far uh there was a, a point where i was having one knocked out uh every 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 other day it felt like um so <laughs> I just got done doing a really big one up. Uh, Ed, uh, Edmund uh, Truman, uh, he did postcards uh, from Congo. So um, my last two, like these books have been like 100, 200 pages. Uh, like the the San Diego Comic-Con one I did was a big one. That was literally like 400 pages. And I was like, man, and I read every <laughs> single page. Now this postcard from Congo one, it's like a graphic, uh, it's like a visual novel. Um, and it's like the first time, like the history of uh, Congo has been like, put in a book and uh he he's never been there um but when i think when he wrote it but he he it's based of all like firsthand experiences from people there and it's like was such a in indescribable like experience reading that you know seeing like the 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 trauma and the suffering they went through and seeing like the like he kept true to the art style and everything um and i have yet to see that come back but like just the questions that i scripted and just like how deep I got in that one, I love it. You know what I mean? I always try yeah. to do better with the next one, you know? I think uh, I think it's funny how the uh, earlier ties into this. Like, um, yeah, man, what about you though? You've done uh, quite, a, quite a few yourself. Okay, so I'm gonna take the con ones out of the way because that's a different beast uh, altogether. <laughs> um, but I think one of my earliest ones, which was such a challenge, um, Oh, I think it's the Matsuda brothers. It, it was it was a writer and an artist team, and I, I apologize if I if I got the names wrong in advance. But it was a, a writer and an artist bit, and I, my skill set's more geared towards writers. Like I, mm -hmm. I I'm really good at coming up with questions geared towards writers. Um, but I intentionally took on that interview because I wanted to. I I didn't want it to feel like in that sense that I was gearing every question towards the writer and yep. then giving the artist a token question. 
to make it feel like they were a part of the conversation. Like I actively made it as much as possible where both could be involved and occasionally I'd give them a specific question here or there. Uh, that one was probably the most in-depth I went. And that one I also uh, probably made a little bit more complicated than I needed to, but I liked, and that also led to other ones where like, I interviewed an entire creative team like once or twice for a couple books. And like those ones I might not do in that format again, because it's just, it banks on everyone sending questions and like, yeah. it's just very easy for those to get tripped up. No and offense to anybody like, there. It's oof. It seems like it would be so hard to keep like a good, like organic flow, you know, like you'd have to like stop and make sure you're addressing the whole entire team. Like every other question, it feels like. Yeah, it's generally my rule of thumb for those were like, look, if I'm not specifically saying someone's name, anyone can answer these questions. And then I will make it very clear when it's like, this is, I'm directing towards you. Boom. Give me uh, an answer to this. (laughs) So I started uh, yesterday was like my uh, second indie game interview. And um, I don't know a lot of the terminology. Like I could talk comics all day long, but like when I get into that, I'm like, okay, so what program do you do to do this? Like, like I'm using these uh, first interviews to kind of learn my terminology for the next one. And man, it's hard uh, stretching that comfort zone and uh, pushing yourself to, you know, meet new limits. But speaking of meeting new limits, let's get back on task. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we're here for. And that's From Within. Uh, this is a, such an awesome martial arts story, uh, focusing on revenge as well. I had the opportunity to read this. Thank you so much for that PDF. And it was such a blast, man. Uh, give us a little bit about what this is about. Sure thing. So, yep, it's a martial arts revenge story. It's about this young man who's been enslaved since birth for his parents attempting to overthrow an evil emperor. The uh, evil emperor did not take too kindly to that because obviously he's evil (laughs) and made the kid's life a living hell. He wants nothing more than revenge. Like, that's basically just his only reason for sticking around, just pure spite. Mm -hmm. And he gets this chance through this martial arts tournament where the winner of which can face the emperor for anything they desire. But... Of course, all he wants is revenge for basically having his life be taken from him. And I, I just love the seeds that you planted early on in this and just uh, kind of watching the protagonist, you know, grow, uh, if you will. Uh, and I really think uh, the, the first name is a, a nice little nod. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but um, if you do, uh, was the meaning behind the name uh, like what was that? Uh, did you mean to do that? So... You know, this is where this gets very funny in the case of From Within, to be completely transparent with everybody. Like, I have been writing this story on and off since 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, some of the initial origins of this book and names <laughs> get a little fuzzy for me. Um, but, you know, as far as that, it may have had an intent, but I do not remember the specific reason why I picked his name. <laughs> I want to say uh, when I was looking up how to pronounce it, because I looked that up too, just in case we were going to talk about it. Uh, someone said it was like a meaning like rising. Uh, it's like like inner strength or, or rising above or something. I was like, dude, this was like such a perfect name. Yeah. And it's like that could have very easily <laughs> been the reason I came up with it back then. But like yeah. that part straight up fuzzy. I have one very specific, like I have a couple very specific memories of when that story took shape. And I, I'm, you may have a question about this later, but like I did something pretty crazy around the time that I made this book, uh, or at least I started writing the book at the time, but we can 
We can get there in a second. I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, no, we, we can take off right there. I was just uh, uh, kind of talking about the name a little bit because when I was reading it and uh, doing the pronunciation uh, check, I was like, dude, this name ties into the story like perfect. It's like, this is intertwined like perfectly. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, so I guess regarding some more of the book's origins, um, around the time I graduated college, you know, I was riddled with debt trying to you know be able to pay student loans like i'm sure most people are in that spot probably worse off now than even when i graduated so you know i just worked for a year i didn't do any writing and one day i kind of uh, realized that oh i was kind of miserable or actually no not kind of i was straight up miserable and i couldn't piece together why and i realized that oh i haven't written in a year and i had this feeling at the time um that I didn't want to call myself a writer if I wasn't actively working on writing. Like it's, and this is not me once again trying to be uh, judgmental towards anyone, but I'm just purely talking about myself. I just, yeah. I didn't want to call myself a writer, and then it's like, oh, what are you working on? And it's like I, I had nothing for them. <laughs> um, so, you know, I had this feeling that if I didn't start something soon, that eventually maybe life would make a decision for me, and maybe I'd move on to something else. Uh, so I just kind of asked myself, is this what I actually want to do? And when I answered yes, it's like, okay, let's just go for it. So I, I came up with the bones of the story. I kind of, I had the outline of everywhere I wanted to go with it. I hadn't written anything. Uh, and I did a call out for artists and I caught the artist, Renzo Podesta, um, my good buddy now, like, uh, that dude, we've been through a lot together <laughs> making this comic. Um, so you know, when it came time for, I signed a contract and it's like, okay, this is like Thursday when I signed this contract. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I told him I will have a 22 page, uh, script for you by Monday. And this is Thursday night. And I haven't Ooh. written shit. <laughs> I haven't written anything. So that Saturday morning I wake up and I do not, I'm not kidding. I did not leave my desk. I wrote the entire thing in one sitting and is probably one of the greatest feelings of my life. It was like, there was no, I don't believe in writer's block anymore, straight out, I'll just tell you that, but like, that's one of the first times where that really became clear to me is like, I had no time mm -hmm. to think double, uh, or I guess overthink things. Like, oh, is this like, should be a five panel page, four panel page, six panel page? Oh, is that line? Like, none of that shit. I, just, I did it, got it done. And when I finished it and sent it off to him, that was like one of the greatest feelings of my life. You know, um, I work, and then I had to just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I work best under pressure too. Like for me, if I have a whole day where there's nothing happening, I will wait until the very last second to get it done. Uh, but if like if 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 I'm working and I have only just until four, I'm like, okay, well, I only have like two hours to get this done. I need to get it done now. Um, so mm -hmm. I get in the habit of actually setting timers on my phone, like 15 minute timers, so it just triggers that anxiety feeling that I need to get this done because I don't have time. Interesting. So the other part I'll compound onto this, just so you understand, um, this is an over 200 page story in, in its uh, entirety. Um, this is the first 44 page chunk of that. So it's, you know, as long as everything goes well, it's a two volume story. Let's go. Um, so I had to perpetually keep doing that script writing. Yeah. Now, over time, I, I got better with and I didn't have to be so last minute. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I needed that push. And so, I was crazy enough to just jump into it. <laughs> let's go ahead, I think, right now. And uh, would be the perfect time to jump into the pre-order page for Dauntless. 
Everyone who is watching or listening, here is the pre-order link for DauntlessStories.com to check this out with us. If you are not able to pre-order, uh, just simply sharing this on Twitter, sharing it on Facebook, anywhere that you can share links will help a ton. It'll get so many different eyes on this and you're gonna you're gonna have someone on your friend list who's gonna love this story. And then uh, when is this uh, set to uh, the physical uh, set to drop? So the uh, physical, once the campaign wraps, it's gonna go straight to the printer. The art is all done uh, for this chunk. So it'll be a lightning fast fulfillment. And then we already went over the story, but here are some of the preview pages because you guys only got to see the cover uh, during our talk. So here are some of those interiors and they are so gorgeous. I, I just love uh, the coloring and, and just like the uh, the texturing and the different uh, aspects of it. I love how um, like right here, like it's silhouetted. There's a lot of like silhouettes feeling, you know what I mean? Where you're, you're not necessarily getting as detailed as possible. You're letting it kind of just like speak for itself. Yeah, it's uh, Brian Valenza I had at the time. Uh, he just did spectacular job on colors. There's um, when you get to some of the action pages, the way that the colors just explode when someone gets punched or kicked. Mm -hmm. Like that's just one of those things that instantly grabbed me anytime I, I saw him do that on a page. And also just once again, huge shout out to DC Hopkins, my letter. Uh, I absolutely adored working with him on this series. and. You know, he just brings so much personality to the balloons and even just like that page one where it had the caption of like the location like kind of felt like painting at mm -hmm. the top like i absolutely adore that touch and i also like right here too where the father's talking to the emperor like giving my son back with the the, the red circle around it just to give it that emphasis yeah that's brilliant and i love this too leading up uh to the protagonist story we see his parents you know how they're getting mishandled uh, and this emperor, you do a good job of like just building the resentment, you know, towards him like early on. Yeah, he's a he's a real piece of work. You know, as the story <laughs> goes along, you kind of get to see that uh, he has quite a bit of hangups that uh, impact not just the lead character, but also uh, the other character that gets introduced into this story. Uh, mm -hmm. There's I'll just say that. Um, as the story progresses, it, it kind of becomes two protagonists in this uh, series. We see right here, uh, there was some sort of transgression. So him, you know, the father and mother are getting killed, but the son uh, is not going to be that fortunate. And uh, I, I love right here, he's going uh, to be, when he's the of age, he's going to be forced into labor camp. So it's like this emperor just goes above and beyond being diabolical. Like this guy is scum. <laughs> Yeah, he's the kind of person where if you like wrong him in any way, even the slightest transgression, he will just he he's one hundred percent scorched earth on any and everything. Mm -hmm. Guy has no chill. Yeah, man, the, the, I just I, I love these interiors. This art is so gorgeous. Yeah, I just I, I love Renza to death for like we, we, we worked together on this story uh, with the artwork for probably about three and a half to four years, just kind of slowly putting it all together. Um, Here's some of those action sequences as well. And I love yeah. right here, too, when he's, you know, doing the uh, the uh, the palm, like how it's a, a, a just a subtle like change of colors. Yep, that's exactly it just feels like an explosion in comparison mm -hmm. to the blues. And then right here too. Was there any intention for that? Like going from like the blue to, to orange? 
Oh, I feel like that was 100% Brian's intention. Yeah. If he was on here, he probably could give you more on it. But like that was um, when I had a couple of different colorists send me like uh, samples just to kind of see if I wanted them on the project. Like that and um, actually scroll up a little bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, stop. Stop right there. So there is a bit. Um, technically, it's a small little bit, but I'll just say one of the things that won Brian the job when you know we were talking he did a slight continuity correction on that middle panel on the left. Oh, really? Um, if, I ha- if I had the original uh, drawing, uh, there was a little bit with the bandages that was a little off, and he kind of fixed it. It's ever so slightly, but it was like that little attention to detail where I'm like, yeah, I, I need this guy on my team. Because uh, it's one thing to have someone who can color for you, but to have someone who is like work- actively working and-, and making small corrections like that, like that's that that's priceless, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a beauty of collaboration, man. Like, as as the story goes, you know, I just, I keep on giving my collaborators more room to add their own flourishes. Like, I I have a very low ego when it comes to my storytelling, dude. I'm, I'm, I do a pretty clean cut script. And then from there, it's like, hey, man, whatever additions you want to make, I'll then, you know, kind of tweak my script, my script around that mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, the story benefits. I don't. I don't need my words to necessarily be the entire focal point. It's a martial arts comic. At the end of the day, we need people to get punched and kicked. And I, yeah, I can't yeah. do that 100% with just my words. Hey, and a, a good a good team, you know, with a good team, the art can uh, tell the story as well, right? Like, it, it, there could be a, a good balance of both. So here are some yeah, of the totally. rewards for this outstanding book. Uh, go ahead and give us the juice. We have some interesting news for the digital tiers. So this is at seven bucks, and I'll, I'll let you take the wheel from here. Yeah, sure thing. So the the coolest thing, I had this conversation with Marcus, since we have the benefit of this chunk of the book being already done, uh, you know, he, we were just talking and we're going to make it where when you buy the digital version, it's going to get sent to you instantly. So it's going to be an immediate, like if we're talking about lightning fast uh, turnaround <laughs> with the print version, it's just like... You know, uh, when you buy it, then Marcus is going to turn around and send you a digital copy. You can read it right away. Uh, you know, the only thing I would ask is, you know, when you guys do that, just, you know, make sure to let me know what you think. I, I would love to hear how people are taking in this story. I'm, I'm very curious where people think it's going to go from here, too. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. Uh, I have quite a, a plan for these characters. <laughs> so we have uh, the fiscal tier and this is just a dollar more. So I, I think that is such an awesome price, man. Thank you. Yeah, and like I said, uh, I had a lot of conversations with Marcus about price. I want to make sure, you know, especially because, you know, as far as the writing side of things, you know, not a lot of people are as familiar with me. So I want to make sure that that's a, a reasonable ask for people to be able to jump into. And then I, I really like what he did with the uh, physical and digital tiers. Yeah, I yeah. think that that was 12 a, bucks. a pretty yeah. fair combined offer right there. Because uh, you'll get that digital right away. Uh, man, that, exactly. that is awesome. Yeah, I'm loving these tiers. So we have an awesome one right here as well. The print package tier at $18. And this will be uh, with a print by uh, Matt Harding. So is this the print uh, in question? Yep, that is the print. That's and so awesome, dude. Yeah. yeah Marcus uh, Marcus was telling me about Matt. And, you know, I, I'm all for <laughs> it. I Personally, like, I always had this idea in my head. I'm like, it'd be kind of cool if we had, like, a fighting game screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of a couple of the characters. Like, I, do you play fighting games? Uh, a little bit. Um, I'm more of like an action RPG guy. 
Gotcha. I, I'm not great at fighting games, but I definitely have a soft spot for them. And I love, especially the design of fighting games. It's like multiverses, maybe. Do you get down on multiverses? I should play it sometime. I haven't it's gotten good. to it. It's good. It's good. See, I suck at Super Smash Brothers, but multiverses is kind of like an easier introduction to that type of fighting game. Um, okay. You know, I used to get down on the Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 on the Sega Genesis back in the day, mm -hmm. but um anything disc related i just you know because i i just get if i start losing i start button mashing and then you get punished <laughs> so hard for button mashing oh, yeah. <laughs> have you ever played uh marvel vs capcom 2 yes yes that is a fire one too i love yeah. it man <laughs> I, I started getting into that a little bit during the pandemic and um that that's one of those games where like if you make one mistake you don't get to play anymore you're just you you get infinite to death but yeah. uh anyway like I, I love the character select screens of fighting games too and that was kind of the genesis of this idea so you kind of get a couple little easter eggs like a scorpion in there uh you know for other characters not just like my main group so i just thought that was a really fun thing that matt just turned around and knocked out of the park i didn't even ask for like the little easter eggs but i just love that little touch and uh so with that being said after going through that and looking at the pre-orders what would you like to say to anyone who might be on the fence about pre-ordering this you know if you had just one opportunity to kind of sway their opinion so I would say that this is a investment in, in a very expansive story. This is something that I know that for this type of story and for me being relatively new, that can be a little bit of like, oh, does he have it all done? It's like, yeah, I've already scripted it mm -hmm. and the art is pretty <laughs> much all in the can. So like as we're going through this, we're going to be even coming up with quicker turnarounds for these stories as we go to hopefully get this out there. Um, and this is a really introspective type of martial arts story. Like you get really cool action, but you know, the way that some of these characters evolve over such a quick space, it's just personally, as each of us find our footing more like DC starts honing in on, you know, his style. Renzo just keeps upping his game each issue. And I feel like I, I keep upping my game as well, or at the very least I'm keeping up with them. I like to say, but you know, it's, it's something I'm so proud of and I'm really looking forward to hearing what people think of it. No, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to read it. I loved it. Uh, I do martial arts with my children, and uh, I, I I love kind of seeing the revenge story take take root and, and start to grow. And and like I said, you did such an awesome job, like building those seeds of resentment early on for the emperor. And like I wish I could go in there and punch the dude in the face. Like it would be such a great feeling just to knock this guy out just once. You know, just give me one round with him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when that when that guy throws hands, it's it's shit gets real like you know it's he <laughs> he has a couple of moments where it's like oh uh yeah he's he's a problem hey but sometimes you know problems gotta be squished and i think with that let's get to squish into one of my favorite parts of the podcast and that is where i ask creators for a little bit of advice so uh alex with this being your first time on the show um i always like asking a question in particular that could help people who might be new might be struggling or anything in between so with that being said for anyone who might be having a hard time getting started with their script, getting started with their art or anything um, with their comic, what advice would you offer them to help them kind of push through that and get motivated just to go? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, to double back to a couple of things we previously talked about, um, I think first off, have fun with it. Like genuinely make a story that you, you need to get out there mm -hmm. and you know you don't necessarily need to necessarily show it to everyone first you can build up some confidence make a couple just for yourself um you know maybe sit on for a little bit and go back and tweak them but you know at a certain point 
have fun and just allow yourself to fail. And there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, failure is necessary to grow. No one bats a thousand. Your favorite person doesn't even bat a thousand. So, you know, that's how we get better. Favorite person probably batted a uh, hundred thousand times to bat a thousand, right? Like, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's all those failures that lead to that success. And, uh, you know, people get lucky sometimes right out the gate. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. You have to build that resilience. You have to build that experience. Um, and that's going to carry you forward. Yeah. I think you even, like, even if you caught fire with your first thing, I think that's almost worse. Like, I, I mean that honestly. <laughs> yeah. Think of it this way, because like, okay, you caught fire. And then your next thing is like, oh, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, then, then you're trying to meet expectations of like, what you've already established when you're trying to find yourself. I think that's actually that's actually so much worse. Mm-hmm. You can build yourself up to a point where you can I, I hope and I genuinely hope this, like make sure you enjoy your work. Like I you can always be driving to get better, but like I just we don't want to be that self-destructive. I it's like we we can be better than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, thank you for not only awesome piece of advice, but an awesome sit down. This was such a great time, Alex. I had a blast reading this PDF and getting, you know, the chance to kind of know you a little bit deeper than just a, a profile picture on Twitter, man. This was such an awesome time. Yeah, thank you for having me, Co. You had a blast too. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone who is watching, this has been such an awesome, awesome Saturday. Here is the link to pre order this once again. If you're unable to, simply sharing this on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, anywhere you can, will help get the word out. Uh, With that being said, I hope you all have an awesome day. But most importantly, guys, keep it geekly.